Yeah, it's done now. Okay. You, you still here? Can you talk? I am. I am. Can you hear me? Okay, good. So last time we were talking about your trip to Ray Lee, and you were about to share your impression of the place as opposed to, you know, you know um, what has been the reputation of Ray Lee, which is really a wild, wild frontier town with all kind of uh, anything goes, drugs, prostitution, and smuggling. Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rule it out completely. Um, however, it was my impression that a lot of that stuff has been moved across the border. And now, if you want gambling on the Chinese side, like I made a short video about this and put it on the page. If you want gambling on the Chinese side, gambling stones. You, you, you remember that about gambling stones? Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's where. Um, basically. Uh, they give you like just the rocks that may contain jade inside, right? And you you just per you just make a purchase, a uh, whole hoping that the rock you purchase actually contain jade or something like that, right? Well, well, the jade the rocks all have jade in them. They're like they're not selling pieces of rock, and they do allow you to inspect the rock with torches and blah 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 blah. The question is, is the jade you get out of that stone, is it less than, equal to, or more than what you paid for the stone, you know? Um, and that's and that's like a big area where um, a lot of, like, a lot of the jade market isn't just in worked jade, it's also in um, gambling stones, so... Even not just the open air markets, but also all of the the reputable jade emporiums and stuff. Uh, like it's a know, big. I never thought of that as a form of gambling, but now that you mention it, it does seem like <laughs> it's like try your luck, right? But it's like a probability. Because because they're not you, you, you're not allowed to just get a bunch of rocks and go oh yeah they might have jade in them you might make your blah 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 the rocks have jade in them right however um, whether you make enough money and then you need to find a buyer or a you know and you need to buy a, find a buyer for your own part so my guess is what a lot of people will do there is they'll buy a bunch of gambling stones and then they'll take them to another part of China where jade isn't so prevalent and and in that way they can like they might they might not even gamble they just go okay I bought this boulder for 800 in Roy Lee I take it to I don't know some other province and sell it for a thousand I've made 200 RMB off a rock and then they're not actually gambling at all if they know how much they can sell it for and there's lots of apocryphal stories about multiple fortunes being made off the same rock, you see? So, like, someone at the point of, of they'll find a rock, and they'll go, yeah, this looks awesome, and they'll sell it to someone else who goes, holy shit, there's good jade in there, I'll give you a thousand. And they go, yep, they take the thousand, and then the, 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 that, that buyer will take it to someone else, and they'll go, Wow, this is actually worth more like five thousand, and then that person might sell it to a jade carver, who can turn that into twenty or thirty grand. You see, 
So multiple fortunes are made off the same rock. Ah, so the point is, you know, jade is very important in Chinese culture, and the Chinese people are go crazy about jade, and and you know that's why like jade is became a very important commodity once. The Chinese、uh, economy took off because I remember the show.、Um, the the Japanese NHK、uh, did a, a television ch- a station did a、um, documentary on Silk Road back in nineteen seventy nine early eighties. You know they traveled to Xinjiang and they、um, you know filmed the locals. And one of the episode was about the jade market in Xinjiang where. You know, basically, kind of like what you describe the gambling stone. People just bring out the rocks, and you, you know, you, you make a purchase. And like at the time, like people were literally purchasing a huge chunk of rocks with jade in it for、um, like fifty RMB, right? Which is nothing. Like,、uh, well. Nothing nowadays. Nothing nowadays. Back then, it was probably somebody's half month salary. <laughs> but but、um, but you know, fifty RMB that that huge chunk of jade, you know, today would probably cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, that's that's kind, of, yeah, that's kind of the. Go ahead. A lot of people even have stones that, yeah, as you say, they were bought in the '60s, in the '70s, in the early '80s, and they haven't actually been cracked. They've just been passed down the family,、wow. you know. And so families have these stones. It's like, yeah, this is my life insurance policy, baby.、Wow. You know, like I bought it for a pittance back then. You know, when I really need the money, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this prospected and sold and. That'll make me my fortune, you know. Like I've come across. It's almost like gold. <laughs> It's almost like it became like a family heirloom. Yeah, man. Yeah, totally. Like these stones were bought in like wherever, like back in the day, and we're just holding on to them until we need them because we don't need them now. Business is good, but there's always going to be a market for jade. There's always going to be people. Jade is a luxury that any because there's so many different. Grades of jade as well. Everyone wears jade. Everyone, the poorest student, waitress, everyone wears jade. But you could pick up like a tiny little jade ornament of the lowest quality jade for like a buck, a couple bucks. And then you know, so it goes. It's, it's kind of like anything that, but every it's a luxury that everyone can afford, but. How much you pay, you know, depends on your socioeconomic. Yeah,、level. I mean, at a certain level, like a really high grade jade, basically becomes status symbol, right? I mean, you, you're you're not buying it because you need it; you're buying it to show off your wealth. <laughs> oh, can, bling bling, man! Conspicuous、exactly. consumption, like your jade. You can go, yeah, I bought this jade Buddha, like the purest mutton fat jade. It cost me five hundred thousand. But it was worth it, and it's like a jade ornament that's like maybe like three or four inches、yeah. side. And and, and well, so in really most all of those jade actually come from Myanmar, right? Like they come from every every single bit, every single bit is from Myanmar.
particularly from Shan and Dai sta- and Kachin states. Yeah. And and so so it sounds like the Chinese police have really cleaned up the Chinese side of the border, but so as much as much as they can. It's 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 still like. Mengxia is the capital of Dehong, right? This is where all the government stuff is. This is where the schools are, blah, blah, blah. But Roy Lee is where the business, is where the action is, man. That's where that's where money is made, you know? Like, And Roy Lee has much more of a business city sort of buzz to it as well. Like, Mengxia, I love Mengxia. Mengxia's like, and it's developing, but Roy Lee is really where the buzz is, you know. Are there like, still a lot of construction uh, of like, you know, infrastructure roads to Myanmar going on in Rayleigh? Really? <laughs> oh shit, yeah. Um, like I went to Wanding, the Wanding Bridge across. You know how Wanding is one of the two first okay. level ports. Um, like Roy Lee and Wanding. Wanding is the other port going across to Myanmar. We went to Wanding and we couldn't go across the bridge because it's being reconstructed and widened out and blah, blah, blah. So when we were there in Wanding, like tourism is down, um, public spending on tourism is down, like the, the archaic uh, weaponry, half the museums in Wanding are like open intermittently or open not at all now you know all that developed like 10 15 years ago big public spending on tourism and stuff like that now a lot of the tourism is slowing down in one ding but infrastructure and trade seems to be up now so that's where public spending is going now um like um, under un, it, during Xi's term, uh, basically, um, like public spending on some areas has been slashed dramatically, but infrastructure spending is like way in every conceivable area. Infrastructure is where the public money is going now. So not just on an like internationally, nationally, provincially. Um, even down from the highest to the smallest levels, that's where. That's really important to hear because you know a lot of times people hear about the slowing down in the Chinese economy, and also you know one of the things she was famous for when he came to power was the crackdown on corruption, right? And that that actually had a chilling effect on lot of the um, lot of the consumption because you know a lot of the you know banquets and and traveling the boss of Chongqing was one of the heads that rolled when she came in yeah (laughs) Uh, well he was involved in something else because his wife you know murdered supposedly murdered a a, a British businessman and then he tried to cover it up so (laughs) she I didn't hear that part (laughs) No, you didn't. Oh, no, yeah, that's how he got busted because, oh, okay. uh, you know, boss of a party boss of Chongqing, a uh, lot of people kind of expected him to maybe make a bid for a seat on the Politburo. Poly you know, the Politburo. The version I heard is he was involved in a palace, in an attempted palace coup, basically. Yes, that that's, uh, that's another version. So basically... Everybody knew uh, the former par- party boss of Chongqing, uh, Bo Xilai. He was a very ambitious Bo Xilai, uh, yeah. politician. 
Yeah, he was a very ambitious politician, and he and she was like the same、um, fifth generation Chinese leader was basically groomed to take over, right?、Uh-huh. And but he he、um, he made some missteps. Uh, you know, I think he offended some some higher ups,、uh, and then what happened was instead of like, because he was already the、uh, he was first a party a boss of、uh, city of Dadian in、uh, in 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 northeast China, where Dadian is previously you know known as a port author,、uh, right during during the, the Russo-Japanese War, and that's where the That it's an important Chinese naval base, and then he was promoted to like the party secretary of、uh, the Niaolin province, and that's already like he was already on his way up. But then he somehow you know had made some misstep, and that's why his assignment to Chongqing was almost seen as like a send down because Chongqing, yeah, Chongqing is even though it's a municipality that's directly under control of the central government, but basically it's Chongqing politically is on the same level as the province of Liaoning. So, so Chongqing it's a municipal city that means it it enjoys the same status as any other Chinese province, right? But he. So he、yeah. went a lateral move from a party secretary of Niaoling Province to party secretary of Chongqing、uh, City, but 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 and also,、um, sorry, I, I was just going to say so so like in terms of yeah, it's a good job, it's an important job, but from party head of Chongqing, there's no clear progression up the chain. Correct. So it's a way to give him. Give him an important job, keep him busy. He has no handholds further up. He's、yes. stuck at that、yes. level. And and also because Chongqing, okay, is, I'm sorry. You know, Niaoling was still kind of close to Beijing, right? Where Chongqing is sufficiently far in the southwest, it's kind of like he get、yeah. into this corner of China, kind of just <laughs> kind of just hang out there, right? And then, but he made a serious、uh, a serious bet. Bid to、uh, for the for a seat in the Politburo, and for the people in our audience who are not familiar with the Chinese political system, the Politburo, the Politburo is、uh, basically used to be made out of nine men who rule China. Basically, kind of, think of a, yeah, the rulers yeah, of China. Yeah, the, the, basically the nine men who make you know makes the makes <laughs> decisions to run China,、um, but he. So, so like, but the you know the it was kind of up for grabs,、um, and like he had some serious backings, and and one of his backer was、uh, also sit on the previous Politburo, the the、um, the security chief Zhou Yongkang, who who oversees the、uh, Chinese、uh, police and all the security apparatus, and so the, so the rumor rumor was. You know that Zhou Yongkang, they、uh, they staged a, a kind of palace coup and trying to、um, get you know kind of、uh, almost it almost made it sound like assassination attempt on Xi, right? Because it was a period. That's 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 what I heard as well. I heard that someone actually tried to hit Xi. 
like crazy. When she just totally disappeared from the public view for like several weeks, and and there was wild rumor in in Beijing circulating that there was an assassination attempt, and and but but so so what? How she got exposed really was when he um his so so the his wife. Uh, was accused of murdering a British businessman, and that that was their close business associate. And then he, he tried to uh, cover it up, but the but you know the his enemies was trying to pursuing this kind of case. Yeah. Then his uh, underling, the police chief of Chongqing, uh, felt the pressure, um, and then he he went to. Drove to the American uh, consulate in Chengdu, right? Because now Chongqing is no longer part of Sichuan Province, so Chongqing and and Chengdu are kind of parallel parallel uh, political entities. So to escape Chong, because the police chief in Chongqing, because he's fell out of uh, with Bo, the party boss, fear for his life. So he drove across the border. To into Sichuan to Chengdu, the capital of Sichuan Province, and he went straight for the American consulate in Chengdu. He went inside the American <laughs> consulate for like twenty four hours, you know, wanting to defect United States, and he brought along like a suitcase of documents, secret documents, and and everything has to do with Bo's bid for power and also the evidence against Bo's wife about murdering the. Uh, British uh, businessman, and then um, somehow I don't know how they did it, but the but the eventual eventually um, you know the Americans talk him out of it, and also the 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 Chinese central government, and then and then under Hu Jintao, right, and they they made uh, made contact with him, basically promised him uh, to you know promise him. His safe personal safety because at this time it was really tense because after his defection to the attempted defection to the U.S. consulate, Chongqing, Chongqing sent a whole squadron of police surrounding the the Chengdu American consulate, right? So and then they they left Chongqing their their jurisdiction, went to Chengdu and surrounded the American consulate. But then the the, the um, Chinese central government intervened, and they send in you know the the, the military uh, down there. They're sending the, yeah, they're sending the military police down there. To basically, brush aside the Chongqing police <laughs> and escorted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they um yeah. So they were able to guarantee safety for um. <laughs> for the former police chief of Chongqing, so he eventually agreed to come out with uh, American consulate and hand over all the evidence about Bo Xilai's wrongdoing to the Beijing central government, and that's how they were able to get him. That's how they they you know, I think that the coup attempt, the assassination attempt on on Xi Jinping happened. Well, supposedly uh, rumored assassination attempt happened soon after that incident because at that time Bo was basically didn't look like he was going to be part of the Politburo anymore, right? And like, like so it was kind of last ditch effort, right? Last ditch effort. But then 
so anyway, after that, boy is now in jail, and um, yeah, how, how did we end up talking about this? This was a fascinating, fascinating uh, chapter in the uh, recent Chinese fathers because at that time, so much thing happened. There was a also a car accident in Beijing around the same time, and and the car crash involved this. It was a, a red Ferrari, and inside the the driver of the red Ferrari. Uh, who died along with the two passengers, two students, supposedly like uh, from Beijing Dance Academy. I think uh, it was rumored one one girl was Tibetan, one girl was Uyghur. I don't know, but but the but the the, the driver is a son of a, a very high party official who was a confidant, uh, who was a confidant of. Um, of Hu Jin, President Hu Jintao, um, the guy was Lin Lin. Uh, I, I forgot his his first name. It's Lin. Is it is it is it Li Gang? No, 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 no. This is not Li Gang. Li Gang is a small case. That's a small potato. Okay. We're talking about we're talking about the son of like very high Chinese official here, like very high. Yeah, he's uh, his 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 father um, uh, was the, the basically the the confidant of the Chinese president Hu Jintao, and like and that was a big scandal at the time because first of all, like that's the first time kind of the public was exposed to kind of the level of corruption at top, right? It's like how the hell is he driving a Ferrari, right? I mean, like, basically all the Chinese top leaders, they're all, like, billionaires. But that's that, but that's not something that was talked about, right? And, and uh, then then with the Bo Xilai scandal, it was, you know, it, it turns out he had billions of assets, right, stashed away in overseas, uh, <laughs> in overseas banks. In Panama or whatever, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that, was a, that was a big shock. And, and, and uh, I think New York Times did kind of some kind of follow-up expose on that. And they, they also, um, there was a lot of um, political infighting at the time basically jockeying for position for the new Politburo to be formed. And there was, so Zhou Yongkang, who had, who was, a, you know, on the on the Politburo and who was in, who was a security chief in charge of the police and the secret police, he, I think his faction leaked a lot of um, dirt. And one of the dirt was on the Chinese uh, prime minister at the time, Wen Jiabao. And, and so New York Times, um, New York Times uh, journalists were able to get hold of uh, basically, basically. I mean, they make it like they did the, their their investigative work and uncover this vast net web of corruption among the Chinese leader. But in effect, is basically because of the political infighting among the Chinese elite, someone leaked to them. You know, all these financial. Uh, like financial dealings, so so they were able to map out the the private wealth of, of prime prime uh, premier Wen Jiabao's family. You know, he he's a he's now he doesn't own a property under his own name, but his wife, his wife's family, uh, you know, their family, they, they own like billions and billions of assets. This was all exposed under in New York Times front page. And then for, for that, New York Times got banned in China, of course. 
New York New York Times was banned from China for that. And and I think oh wow okay. yeah so there, there, that was a there was a big that was a big scoop for the for the U.S. Uh, journalists at the time. Uh, right, oh, but, yeah, but but the background for that is that the intense political jockeying took taking place, and and people were leaked. So so that's a a feature that very few people understand. You know, they don't read this in in the, in the mainstream media in the West. Is that the the, the Chinese um, political elite? They have learned basically to use Western media. For leaks to to fight their political battles, and that's that they, they will yeah compromise right. They, yeah. they can't the same as yeah because they can't they can't publish that stuff in Chinese state media in China right because that's, that's <laughs> they can't do that so they will leak uh, to their uh, sources in to like a Hong Kong newspaper or like to for example to New York Times or Wall Street journals South you, China you be reporting- or Post or whatever right. Yeah, and you will be so will be reported outside of China, so the word will still leak out and filter back in China, right? And then then, then people will still know about it. So this 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 was a feature of uh, of the Chinese politics in the last few years. Is uh, one of the thing is uh, you know the Chinese cult of Falun Gong. They own um, they have an extensive media network like uh, oh, yeah. like Times, right, and the New Tang Dynasty Television. And at the time, they were eerily accurate about, you know, who was going to be appointed to what position in the Chinese, uh, you know, political system. Yeah. And for, for a while, they were like very, very accurate. And people were like, whoa, what the hell is going on? And, you know, after a while, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, somebody's leaking, you know. Somebody's leaking to them, those insider informations to fight their political rivals. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, so this is a little aside for um, for the inside Chinese politics. We we kind of got all over the place, um, but, but let let's get back a little bit to uh, Ray Lee, right? <laughs> to the to the Myanmar border town because you know it is a very important uh, 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 a place. It's a, it's an entry of China basically to Indian Ocean. Right. And, uh, you know, which is making a lot of countries nervous in the neighborhood. So while you were there, you were saying like the Chinese side has been cleaned up somewhat. But a lot of the crazier stuff uh, or or what would be illegal on the Chinese uh, inside China stuff got moved to the Myanmar side. Right. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Um... <clears throat> like I went across the border for about ten minutes at the at the border village. <clears throat> you can go like the border village is on both sides of the border. <clears throat> Sorry, man. And that's uh, that's Jay Gao on the yeah. That's that's the other side of Ray Lee is Jay Gao on Myanmar side, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's um, and then there's a border village a little way away. It's like slightly outside of Roy Lee. That's like a tourist spot, though. Like you can go across the border to Myanmar to Shan State, but oh, so it's kind of like a buffer zone where uh, it like the tour. Okay, tourists can go there and claim they're now on the side of Myanmar, but exactly it's just for the purpose. Right. Of- it's not Jiagao. Jiagao is in Roy Lee City itself, like. Um, I didn't go across Jiagao 
um, primarily because it was like nighttime and so on and so forth. And we, we went there for like a few days uh, traveling around with a couple friends and stuff like that. So, um, but that's, that's what I was, that's what I heard anyway. And certainly um, at nighttime, you know, you can see across the border, that's, that's where all the illegal stuff or all the stuff, you know how sometimes people, they want all the thrill of doing something illegal without actually doing anything illegal. Um, oh, that's, yeah. that's, what you go, that's what you go across to Myanmar for. Like, like, oh, we can't do this in China. It's illegal. It's like, well, you're on the Burma side of the border. Nothing's illegal there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, one of, the, one of the biggest draw for Chinese tourists is gambling because, you know, officially yeah. gambling is illegal in... All of China, China. Macau. Oh yeah, right. Except for Macau, that's only only place where legal it, where gambling is legal, and that's why Macau overtook Vegas to become like the biggest yeah. gambling spot. The in Chinese the market, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because you know, let's face it, my people just love love gambling, and and yeah. a lot of it's, the it's like that scene on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where they come into the bar one night. And there's like you know all these scary looking Asian dudes like gambling and stuff at one of the bar tables. Like, what the fuck's going on? And Danny, Danny De Niro, um, uh, what's his name? Yeah, short little Italian actor comes across and goes, Asians love gambling. 